Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. Would it surprise you to learn that the largest growing segment of our society on anti-anxiety meds are young moms? Um, that tells that should be a, t- a telling uh, revelation for us, and that is this: in this day and age, especially, moms are under a great deal of pressure uh, to be all, to do all, to end all, uh, to. to uh, be the perfect wife, the perfect mom, the perfect employee, the perfect friend. And uh, there's some dangers in those pressures that I want us to look at today from 1 Peter chapter 5. We're walking through the book of 1 and 2 Peter. And uh, this passage we're going to look at today is two elders, really, but it's about leadership. And the first mom any of us ever knew was, or the first leader any of us ever knew was mom. So I want us to look today at this text in light of that truth. First uh, Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Join with me. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to to, to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your fellow believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. As I said, um, this is two elders, but it's centrally about leadership. And, and moms are the first leaders we tend to experience in our home. There are a lot of parallels today in the scripture that I think are, are, are wise counsel, um, wise motherly advice for moms, and really for all of us as far as that goes. But uh, scriptural moms, uh, we talked yesterday in our, in our men's uh, Bible study about alignment what it looks like for a man to be out of alignment and what the, the consequences and results of when a man is out of alignment. Uh, and I shared with the guys after this study was over with that uh, uh, there's, there has to be a way of knowing whether we're in alignment or not, knowing whether we're, our, our way is the right way or not, besides just watching a model and example in front of us. And that way is this book. <laughs> it's the guidebook to how to live life, to how to be a man, to how to be a mom, to how to be everything in between those things. And so... Uh, I want us to look today at this idea of being scriptural moms from this passage. Scriptural moms, first of all, shepherd steadily. Scriptural moms shepherd steadily. Look at one through four again with me. 
he's talking to elders there, but he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, verse 2, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Um, there is a, there's a couple, two or three things shepherds do. First thing is shepherds guard and protect the flock. Then shepherds lead that flock into the, the pasture of the field where they need to go or from that pasture field uh, back to where they need to, to stay for the night. And the third thing they do is correct. When, when there's a sheep that goes astray, astray or awry, they'll sometimes with a shepherd grab the neck of that sheep and pull him back into the fold or, or go actually get him physically and pick him up, bring him back into the herd. Moms do those similar kinds of things. They guard against the enemy that's trying to invade your home, invade your children's lives, invade your flock, if you will, your herd. Uh, moms lead by example, uh, not by commanding, not by, as, as this verse says, lording it over them or pressuring or, or uh, applying undue pressure to, to your kids. Then moms correct uh, as well, correcting out of love because moms understand there are consequences to disobedience. And oftentimes the consequence is even a greater teacher than the parent's correction. If, if, if a child can see and learn by consequence of their behavior, that's a, that's a, a hard-earned and hard-learned lesson sometimes, even to, to a greater extent than what mom can say to them to teach them about that, that step, that, that misstep. But um, we know the consequences of, of, of disobedience moms do, and that's why we, we, we correct lovingly. But finally, notice here that the reward is not from the sheep. The reward is from the chief shepherd. Moms, if you're trying to raise godly children in this culture, you're not going to be rewarded for it. You're not going to get a lot of pats on the back from, from friends saying, oh, man, you're doing a great job with those kids. And your reward is from the chief shepherd. Look to that, not to, not to the approval of, of our society and our culture, but look for the approval of the, of the chief shepherd. He's the one who, who come alongside you in, in the wee hours of the night, in the quiet moments to say, you're doing a good job. You're doing exactly what you should do. Stay the course. Stay, stay the course. Moms, scriptural moms, shepherd steadily. Secondly, scriptural moms serve selflessly. Look at verses 5 to 7 with me. They serve selflessly. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives favor to the humble and oppressed. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This humility that he's talking about here is, is, is twofold, really. It's humility toward others and humility toward God. Now, I don't know about you moms or, or any of us, period. It's far easier for me to humble myself before God than it is before others sometimes. Because most of the time, and this is just, you know, uh, Tim's sins of confession here this morning. Most of the time I think I'm right about everything in life. And... In fact, I don't think I've been wrong many times in my life. Um, now, my, my, my family would disagree with that wholeheartedly, I'm sure. But th this, this idea of humbling myself before others 
Sometimes it's easier. It's certainly easier when someone is older than I am. Uh, I was taught to respect my elders, and, and, and I, I will willingly humble myself before them. But this idea of humbling, humbling, humbling myself before God is far easier for me. I don't know if that's true for you or not, but it's far easier for me, for me to humble myself before him than it is before others. But this is twofold of our humility before others and our humility before God. Many believers, and many moms for that matter, are, are fighting public and private battles. Public in the sense that uh, the battle is with our culture. Sometimes you, you may battle with your boss, mom. You may battle, have battles with your neighbors. You may battle with family. You may battle with friends. But sometimes our battles are private. Our battles are with God. Our battles are with ourselves sometimes. Uh, they're sometimes about our suffering. Sometimes about trying to define what we need and thinking we know what we need more than God knows what we need. Sometimes we, we battle when life isn't working very well. Sometimes we battle with esteem. Sometimes we battle with, with addiction, whether the addiction is, is alcohol or chemical, or, or oftentimes whether the addiction is me. Sometimes I'm my own addiction. And we, we, sometimes we struggle with that, and, and I think ladies do it, especially moms do as well, because you're pouring yourself into your family. There's little time to recoup and regain and, and re, recall your, your energies and your, and your efforts, and you feel spent all the time. And, and those, those private battles is what I want you to see, that God sees and knows and is alongside of you. Uh, it's when, when, when you need him, when he's, he's there, when we need him. A selfless servant also under, understands, as we looked at in verses 5 to 7, they understand delayed reward. A selfless servant understands delayed reward. He says, in, in due season, in, in, in due time, you're going you're to reap uh, if, you, if you don't grow weary. This... Uh, uh, th- this idea of, of being a selfless servant is the fact that our battle is neither with this culture nor is our battle with God. He says here to, to cast all, all our anxiety on him because he cares for you. Mothering is hard enough on its, on its face rather than, than, than bringing anxiety into it. And I know one of the reasons, as I said, started this message to say that the fastest growing segment of our culture on anti-anxiety meds is young moms is because of the pressures that are there. And he's saying in this verse, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Peter is saying, you got, you got anxiety? Welcome to the club. You know how you deal with anxiety? You bring that anxiety to God. Now, I'm not anti-anxiety meds. I'm not antidepressants. I'm not, I'm not any of those things. But those are the second most important thing for us to deal with anxiety and depression. The first most important is to bring ourselves to the feet of the chief shepherd on a regular basis and say, God, I need help. You know what he does? He helps. He, he, he is faithful to do that. If we cast our, our anxiety on him, if we shoulder that ourselves and think, well, he needs a little bit of my help. I'm not sure he sees all the circumstances that I'm walking through. He does. And he doesn't need our help because of that. He's, he is our, our anxiety alleviator if we will bring it to him. Scriptural moms serve selflessly. They, they shepherd steadily. But thirdly, Scriptural moms stand soberly. Look at verses 8 and 9. They stand soberly. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your fellow believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Stand soberly. Why? Because the enemy, mom, is coming after you. He's coming after you on a regular basis. 
he's coming after you, not just daily, but sometimes hourly. Uh, he's coming after your family, and sometimes he comes after you through your family. Uh, but he's coming after you, these, these verses say. So how do we see that, and how do we prepare for it? He tells us here, first of all, I've got to fill my sober mind with the truth of who he says that I am. I've got to sober my mind and sober my thinking to where I understand how he defines me as a mom, as, as opposed to how our, our culture defines me. But the sober mind is filled with the word of God. That's what sobers us to bring us to a place of understanding of what he's saying to us is by, by way and the power of his scripture. The second thing is to fill my heart with the knowledge that I'm in a common struggle. He says, you're not alone. There are others in the world that are going through these same kinds of sufferings. Moms, every mom feels the same anxiety you feel. Every mom feels the same stress you feel. Every mom feels, feels spent the same way you feel. You're not alone. Now, the enemy will try and get you to think he is. He, he's described here as a roaring lion prowling about seeming, see, seeing who he can find and devour. And he will try his best, mom, dad, brother, sister, son, daughter. He will try his best to isolate you. If he isolates you, he's got you. If you can understand, I'm part of a common struggle. I'm not the only one going through this. There are, there are brothers and sisters that are walking the same road, the same path that I'm on. And if the enemy can isolate me, he's got me. But if, if he can keep me together, that's why church is such a vitally important part of someone's uh, faith journey, part of their life, is we, we are better together because we, are, we draw strength from each other. When we're isolated, he's got us where he wants us. A lion looks for the weakest in the herd. If you watch any Animal Planet shows, you'll shows online, you'll know that they stop and start to observe the, the small ones, the slow ones, the crippled ones. The weakest ones in the herd is where they, where they try to isolate themselves, and they zero in on them and attack them. Ladies, he looks for your weakness. He looks for the, your most vulnerable place and attacks that vulnerable place. And he'll come after that again and again until you battle him with the Scripture. In fact, that's the way we battled the enemy. Uh, we, we learn from the Lord Jesus in the wilderness how to be battled the enemy. He says, it is written. It is written. We battle the enemy, ladies, with the scripture every time. And that's, that's the way we defeat the isolation. That's the way we defeat his attacks. So, you're not alone. Resist him, he says, and stand firm. Stand firm. How do we do that? Well, just as we said, with a sober mind, sobered on the truth of God. And with, a, with, with the understanding that we are in a common struggle. That we're not alone. We're not isolated. Uh, I would say this as well, moms. That's this. You're not your kid's buddy. The more you try and be their buddy, the more the enemy's going to have his way with them. And the more they're going to try and deceive you and, and subvert you and go around you. You're not their buddy. You're their mom. Now, there'll come a day when those roles will change and you'll find a greater sense of commonality where you're not having to do so much correction anymore. But you're still, even in those days, you're still their parent. You're still their mom. You're not their buddy. And I would encourage you as well that a sobering thing to do as well with your kids, moms and dads, but all of us as leaders in their homes, is to let your kids see the hard stuff. Let them see the hard things. It's okay if they see the hard, even young kids. It's okay if they see the hard things. In fact, that will sober their mind. That will bring sobering truth to the fact that life isn't, it isn't a bed of roses. Life, in fact, this world isn't made for me. I don't fit here. I'm a foreigner here. And I, I'm designed to feel like a foreigner here. Why? Because life didn't work and there are, there are, there are warts on it. 
and it's, it's ugly sometimes, and people can be that way too. And so it's, it's, it is not just uh, uh, good, it's essential, I think, that our kids see those kinds of things to sober their thinking, to figure out, without God, I'm hopeless. Without his help, I'm, I'm, I'm toast. And so don't, don't shelter your kids from the hard things. Let them see some hard places, times when the bills are hard to pay, times when you, when you don't understand it all as a parent. Times when your job isn't working very well. Let them see the hard things and, and allow that to be a testimony of your handling the hard situations and modeling for them how to do those very things. Stand soberly as moms. Finally, scriptural moms shepherd steadily. They serve selflessly and stand soberly. But fourthly, scriptural moms suffer strongly. They suffer. Here's that word suffering again. thought we'd never get beyond that, did you? Verses 10 and 11 says, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. After you've suffered for a little while. Now, a little while is kind of a relative thing. I mean, a little while to a five-year-old is 10 seconds. A little while to a 15-year-old may be 10 days. But a little, a little while to a 60-year-old is oftentimes 10 years. Why? Because mileage has a way of teaching us the value of things and causing us to live with a greater sense of patience and understanding that God is in that way and on the way. But a little while is, is, is a matter of perspective. In fact, to the God of eternity, your entire life is a little while to him. Feed on that a little bit and understand that there are seasons that, are, that we go through that we, we wonder, boy, is, is there ever an end to this? And the answer to that is, yes, there is, but it's seldom going to be as quickly as I like. It's seldom going to be the way that I like. There are, there are hard places. Life is, as Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble. There's, there's some suffering to come. But the good news is here, he says, that he will restore you. God of all grace who's called you to his eternal glory after you've suffered a little while will himself restore you. Now, how does he do that? With himself. He is the restorer. He is the restoration. His presence is what brings restoration to you. It's not some, some miracle food or some miracle day, day at the spa. Nothing wrong with that, ladies. Go enjoy that if your kids get you that for Mother's Day. Have at it. Uh, we just recently got a hot tub at our house to help with my PD. Uh, at least that's what I keep telling myself. Um, but we're, we're kind of just enjoying the relaxation of sitting in that hot tub and letting it beat you to death. And, and, and then we're zonked out and ready for bed after that. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a neat thing. So enjoy those things. Don't, don't, don't forego your day at the spa, but understand that your restor true restoration is from God. It's not from those kinds of things. Now, those things will give you a moment of... But he'll give you your entire being and spirit and mind and body. He'll restore that like no one else can. He himself, he says here in this verse, is our restoration. Uh, he himself is, is where we go when things aren't working. Now, if, if you ask the question, where is God when things aren't working, this verse tells us he's not gone anywhere. He's just allowing that situation, life not, life not working, to teach you a lesson about himself. He's still there. We haven't seen him because oftentimes we're looking and praying for the wrong things. We're looking and praying for deliverance in a hard place and in, in suffering instead of direction. If you'll start to pray for direction in suffering, Instead of deliverance, you'll start to see more of God's hand and what he's up to. I promise you that. We're looking for the wrong place, looking for escape. Instead of seeing God's plan and seeing his hand. 
If we can't see Emmanuel, if we can't see God with us, it's not because we've moved. It's because the roaring lion has you cornered and isolated. So if you're not able to see God's hand, it's because the enemy has you in a corner, has you isolated, and think it makes you think you're the only one here. You're the only one walking through this, this situation, only one walking this road, and you're not. We can come out of suffering stronger than when we went in if we see those kinds of things that he wants us to see. Because most suffering, like a lot of things in life, is seasonal. Um, as I said, it's always a longer season than we would like. But it's, it's seasonal like most things in life. Uh, in fact, even mothering has its seasons. Uh, I'd like to share this story with you by Chuck and Cynthia Swindoll. Because someday, it talks about those seasons. Someday when the kids are grown... Things are going to be a lot different. The garage won't be full of bikes, electric train tracks on plywood, saw horses surrounded by chunks of two-by-fours, nails, unfinished experimental projects. And the dismembered teddy bears will be able to park both cars neatly in the right places and never again stumble over skateboards, a pile of papers, a bag of dog food now split and spilled. Someday when the kids are grown, <clears throat> the kitchen will be incredibly neat. The sink will be free of sticky dishes, the garbage disposal won't get choked on rubber bands and paper cups. The refrigerator won't be clogged with nine, nine bottles of milk, and won't, we won't lose the tops to the jelly jars, the ketchup bottles, the peanut butter, the margarine, or the mustard. The water jar won't be put back empty. The ice trays won't be left ice trays. If you're, if you're under 50, go Google ice trays and see what that is. <clears throat> ice trays won't be left out overnight. The blender won't stand for six hours, coated with the remains of a late-night shake. Someday when the kids are grown, I will actually have time to get dressed leisurely. A long hot bath without three panic interruptions. Uh-huh. Moms. Time to do my nails, maybe even my toenails. Without answering a dozen questions and reviewing spelling words. Having had my hair styled that afternoon without trying to squeeze it in between racing a sick dog to the vet and a trip to the orthodontist with a kid in a bad mood because he lost his headgear. Someday when the kids are grown, I'll be able to sit at the dinner table without being interrupted with 37 text messages from 25 of my child's closest friends and wondering why they're not more engaged with them than with me. I won't have to hear, we're having this for dinner again. Someday when the kids are grown, I'll be able to see through the car windows. Fingerprints, tongue licks, sneaker footprints, dog tracks will not be conspicuous, will be conspicuous by their absence. The back seat won't be a disaster area. We won't sit on jacks or crayons anymore. The tank will not always be left somewhere between empty and fumes. Someday, when the kids are grown, we'll return to normal conversations. You know, just plain American talk. Gross won't punctuate every sentence seven times. Yuck won't be heard anymore. Hurry up, I gotta go. will not accompany the banging of fists on the bathroom door. It's my turn, won't, won't call for a referee. And the magazine article will be read full without interruption and discussed in length without having to hide in the garage to finish the conversation. Someday when the kids are grown, we won't, we won't run out of toilet tissue anymore, and I won't have to make sure the toilets are all flushed. I'll know where my keys are. I won't have to remember to shut the refrigerator door. I won't have to dream up new ways of diverting attention away from the Game Boy or having to answer, Hey, Mom, is it a sin that you're driving 47 in that 35-mile zone? <laughs> or promise the kids the, rab the rabbit good night. Uh, or wait up forever until they get home from dates, or have to take a number to get a word in at the supper table. Yes, someday when the kids are grown, things are going to be a lot different. One by one, they'll leave our nest, 
and the place will begin to resemble order and maybe even a touch of elegance. The clink of china and the silver may be even heard instead of the breaking, the sound of breaking glass. The crackling of the fireplace will echo throughout the hallway. The bedrooms will be strangely silent. The house will be quiet and calm and always clean and empty. And we'll spend our time not looking forward to someday, but looking back to yesterday and thinking, maybe we can babysit the grandkids and get some life back in this place again. There are seasons to life, moms. And regardless of whether you're in a season where you feel like you need six arms or whether you're in a season where you're, you're starting to un understand and enjoy uh, adult children, uh, God's placed you in their life for a significant purpose, and that is to reach them. So as we close, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Which mom do you want to be? You want to be June Cleaver? Again, if you're under 50, you probably have to look Google June Cleaver. You want to be Roseanne? Do you want to be your mom? Or, sadly, sometimes anything but your mom? What kind of mom do you want to be? Whose mom do you want? What kind of mom do you want to be? The one that looks like Scripture or the one that looks like you? Here's a hint. Most of us don't. If you're like me, you seldom look like Scripture. I stand here and I love this book, and I stand here and try and teach it to you week after week, but I seldom look like it as much as I'd like to. We seldom look like the Scripture we think we do. Can I share with you this, this closing truth? It's this. Your children need you to be the one that looks like Jesus. Not like your mom. Not like a mom. Not like a, this, this idyllic mom that you have in your, in, in your mind's eye or in your head. They need you to be the one that looks like Jesus. That's the one they need. Can you be that mom for them today? Let's pray. Father, I pray your blessings on the mothers in this room that are struggling and those that are not. I pray your hand on those who can't see the solution to this problem or that in their home or at work and the ones that are not. I pray that, <clears throat> as we've seen from your word today, these, these truths of, of how we walk and how we witness and where we stand and where we don't, the things we say, the things we don't, the times we speak up, the times we don't, the times we walk in humility and the times we don't, these things are powerful lessons in the lives of our kids. Would you help us to see today as moms, as parents, as dads even, that we're the guards and the guides. We're the guardians that guard the way to our homes, that keep the enemy as best we can, keep the enemy out. We're the guides that, that guide them into godliness and guide them into truth and guide them into sound thinking and guide them into goodness and guide them into how to love each other well. Would you help moms to see that those roles are pivotal? Far more important than anything else they do is that role of guide and guardian, defender of the faith, defender of their children. Teach them the blessings they have that's been given to them by you and whether the blessings sometimes seem to want to make you pull your hair out or just stand back in awe and smile. You're good. You're faithful. And in your goodness and in your faithfulness, we find hope. We find peace. We find help. We can cast our anxiety on you because you care for us. We're so grateful for that today. Remind us of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.